This is Hunting Land, the podcast for landowners and land hunters with how-tos for habitat management and land investment. If you own, manage, or dream of owning land, this is the podcast for you. I'm Joe Baia, joined with Clint Flowers in today. Clint, you sell anything this week, man? Yeah, it's been a busy week. We've been uh, putting deals together in three states. Excellent. I know you have. It's been a uh, been a heck of a month. As you go through the year, do you see a, a swing with you know the land business as far as peak time, you know, do, do, do folks slow down when it gets hot in the summer or is it just kind of a year round deal? It does a little, you've always got the 1031 exchanges that come and go that, you know, that aren't really seasonal, but in general, I'd say we hit a little lull in the summer, late spring. And then about mid summer, things start speeding up as everybody gets excited about hunting season again. And they start to realize they don't have any land yet. So they're, they're scrambling to get it. That's right. Well, we talked a couple of weeks ago, with Southeastern Pond Management about how to stock a pond. And that's certainly one thing that just about everybody we deal with that's wanting to buy land is looking for. They want to have some kind of water feature on that property, whether it's waterfront or have a pond on it uh, or build a pond. And so that's going to be the subject of today's show. We're going to get into some of the questions you need to be answering if you're thinking about constructing a pond on your property. And so today on the show, we've got Rob Brandon with Mineheart Farm Incorporated. Rob, tell us a little bit about what you do over there at Mineheart Farm. Thank you for having me today. Okay, here at Mineheart Farm, we um, do pond construction for uh, landowners. That, like you said, everybody loves to have a pond, and a pond is very good aesthetically and it's very crowd-pleasing and right on down to your um, four-year-old child that you love to go out there and catch a fish with, make memories with. So... We um do all types of work for um in the woods. We can fix your roads, build your pond, of course, or whatever, push grass patches. Basically, do whatever the landowner needs done with a with a heavy equipment. Excellent. Well, today what we want to focus on is constructing a pond, and you really everything that that goes into that. There's a right way and a wrong way for sure. I know. We've all seen uh, some some leaky ponds uh, as we go out on different uh, pieces of ground. And uh, I was on a track this week down in Florida, actually, where a dam had just blown out. And that was not a good situation, a big mess. So we want to talk a little bit about that. So let's talk a little bit first about water sources. What are the typical types of water sources that people use to create a pond? The most typical, the ideal is from a natural spring, stream of some sort that, you know, that'll keep your pond full. You don't want to go overboard to where you have so much water going through that it just, that your fertilizer won't stay, that it basically keeps flushing itself, so to speak. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, just a good source of water that doesn't just run like a month a year only in the rainy season you want it to stay relatively uh wet even during the droughts and all ponds during the hot of the summer will you know they don't due to evaporation is going to lose but you don't want your pond to dry up or lose half of its volume or through the dry month so we've got spring fed ponds what else can can folks use if they don't have a spring on their property or what else can they do i guess rainfall would be the the next thing yeah uh, rainfall i mean but here the past couple of years has not been a problem but if you get into a you know a four six weeks drought um with just a rain runoff 
collecting your pond, your ponds are really going to suffer mm-hmm. if you have that. The other source, and I mean, it would have to be on a small scale pond. Is you know, I have seen people that would actually put pumps in, have a well drilled, and to keep their pond full. But that would only be on a very small, probably one acre in size or smaller, that that would even be feasible to do. Now, Clay, you mentioned watershed. So, what? Tell us a little bit about that, Rob. If we're if we're looking at you know watershed, so let's just use an acre pond, like you mentioned. What do we need to be thinking about? How much land do we need? to draw that water from to keep that that pond full year round if you're basing it on just rainfall it would probably take a 40 acre watershed or more but there again you know during the summer months with evaporation you know 40 acres of watershed just depending on rainfall would not be enough you're going to probably lose several feet or more you know in a drought where if you have like a live spring of some kind you know that's going to pretty well keep it all the time if you're constructing a pond from watershed versus a spring versus a pump i mean you already mentioned that you know if somebody was going to be using a pump that's going to be a pretty small pond they're going to want to keep it pretty small does construction differ from say a, a, a watershed pond to a spring pond how you construct that pond no, from a watershed to just a rainfall fed, no, the the construction would be the same on your dam. It's really no different than that. The only the other third type would just be a dug pond where if you was in a flat with no hill and you just get out there in a flat and dug a hole, so to speak, and let it filled up from there would be the only kind of different construction you would do. You would not have really a dam from hill to hill and stopping the water from traveling you basically just digging a hole and letting it fill up which do you like best i mean is is there any that you mentioned you didn't want a lot of flow through there because you'd be kind of washing out your fertilizer it, you know do you feel like the spring fed is is the absolute best or is there, yes, is there the a type? spring yes the spring fed is absolutely the best type to have where you can just go from hill to hill and build your dam level across the the um, drain and then just let it back the water up. Let's talk about water retention. You mentioned that evaporation in the summertime and but also you can have a leaky pond, right? It's not good to have a leaky pond. If you've constructed it right, you know, on your dam, you should not have a leaky pond. What causes um, that? What what creates a leaky pond? Is it the soil itself uh, that's on the bottom of that pond? Well, below your dam from natural ground level, you'd put what is called a core, where you usually 10, 12 foot wide, and you dig down through the muck and the undesirable soils, and you go down until you find some good clay. Then you start below ground surface and come straight up through the middle of your dam all the way to the top with what is called a core. And that that kind of material, you need heavy clay that water will not penetrate through. Soil types, you know, if you have a leaky pond, generally it's because the core of the dam has not been properly put in or they use the wrong material, such as sandy stuff or rocky stuff. Uh, water will penetrate through sand and rocky material, and that's what uh, will cause a leaky pond. So you mentioned that clay is that something where when you build a pond, you have to bring in clay or is, is oftentimes the soil that's there is sufficient to be able to do it? Whenever 
a landowner calls me and I go out there and assess the site, the first thing I'm going to look for is what kind of materials there. Is it sand or is it clay? And if I was to go out and look and see sand, I would probably recommend to the landowner not to even build it. In the past, I've had um, a couple of different landowners that was building in sandy material. I recommended them not to do it, but they were really wanting a pond. And you can get into uh, lining the pond with bentonite, which is a whole different matter of construction, but it can be done. But to answer your question, the first thing I'm going to do is look at the soil type. If it's good, heavy clay, that's a plus. If you have to haul, you can haul it in, but the price of the pond construction usually triples or could even quadruple if you had to truck clay in from an off-site location to build this dam. The second thing after I look at it and to see if we got the clay is um, the water source. Generally, if you have clay, you have a water source because the water is staying close to the top of the ground and versus in sandy material, it, it um, perks through and goes down instead of staying close to the top of the surface. So if we don't have the right soils, bentonite is one option. Bringing clay in, bringing dirt in is another option, but it's going to get expensive. Seems like the best thing to do is if you don't have the right soils, try to find them on your property and probably maybe just abandon that idea unless you unless money's no object. That's correct. If you don't have the right source of clay or of soil and you don't have the right water source, the best thing to do is just try to maybe focus on something different. All right. Go down to the get a get a nicer boat and go down to the river, I guess. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so what I'm hearing here, Rob, is that Really, the, the money or the cost in a, in a lake or a pond is not the surface acres, it's the dam. So you could have a small body of water and have equal amount of money as your buddy with a large lake if your dam costs the same or your dam required more site work, you know, more volume, more dirt moving, et cetera, et cetera. That's exactly right. It depends on the distance between your hill. If you're constructing a dam between two hills, well, it, the um, topo of the uh, land, you know, that's what's going to affect it. I've built a pond in the past that the guy would have a 300 foot pond dam and have four acres of water. And you can, you know, have a 300 foot pond dam and have 10 acres of water. It all depends on how, you know, the, your ground lays and how your hills lay. How often do you shape a site, you know, going into the actual boundaries of the lake to, you know, shape the shoreline and the bank? So if the landowner decides he does want, and we agree that this is a good place to build a pond, I will go through and shoot the elevation for the pond. Then we will take and shoot elevation around the perimeter where the landowner can look at it and say, yes, this is, you know, and I can give him an idea. Okay, you're going to have a five acre pond. You're going to have a 15 acre pond. It's going to be X deep at the dam. And when it's full, you're going to incorporate x amount of acres in doing this i will do that and let the landowner know in the beginning about what size pond and how it's going to look so sounds like what you're saying is basically the the size of the dam not necessarily the width but the the height of the dam is is what establishes how much surface area that that pond is going to take up that's correct the higher your dam the further you're going to push water you know back well let's talk about pond size a little bit and and also depth what would you say is typical 
uh, for as far as a size pond that you build? Typically between 8 to 15 acres. In the depth in the south, you really need a minimum of 8 foot of water because during the July, August, early September, before the nights start cooling off, your water's going to get so hot that if you got less than eight foot of water, the water's going to get so hot that your fish is going to struggle in it. You, you need some cooler water for the fish to get in during the summer, hot summer months. So from a recreational perspective, we're looking for a little bit deeper, you know, like you say, eight feet, that gives those fish some deeper water to get into. You've got your typical size, but is there a size where you feel like um, you're not getting your money's worth if you build it any smaller? That depends on the cost of the dam construction. You wouldn't want to put a $50,000 dam in to construct and then have one acre of water. That's just, you know, it's not going to be aesthetically. One acre of water with a 50000 you know, a huge dam is just going to look out of place. So, you know, anything under two acres is really not attractive. Can you go too deep? I really can't answer that. That would be a question for like southeastern pond management. After so deep, is the water dead or there's no nutrients or no oxygen? I really can't answer that. I have never seen a pond that was called too deep, and I've seen some 25-foot ponds. Okay. What would you say the average cost of a lake or pond is these days on a normal site with no problems? A normal site with no problem, a dam typically not over 300, 350 foot from start to finish. That's everything done. You're looking at 50 to $60,000 minimum. Clint, do you see that value coming right back out when you're selling tracks? Do you feel like the money spent on a pond, you either get it back at the sale or uh, it leads to a quicker sale? Absolutely. If the surface acres are there to offset the cost. so. You know, you got a 10-acre lake, 5-acre lake, pond, that that averages across, absolutely. Uh, if you did that on a, like we talked said earlier, you did that on a 2-acre pond, no. You know, you're not going to get that back. It's going to have to have some severe intrinsic value where you really enjoyed using it. Mm-hmm. Rob, let's talk about shape a little bit. What can you tell us about pond shape? So, I mean, you know, everything from, really, it's just kind of a question of, is there something that you want to do when you're building a pond in terms of how it's shaped? whether it's aesthetics or, you know, for recreational things like fishing, uh, is there a reason to, to look for, to build it a particular shape? Well, a particular shape is determined by the topography of the land. Aesthetically, a pond is very irregular shaped that has curves and just more shoreline mm-hmm. typically looks the best. In terms of fishing, the more shoreline acres you get or the more footage around the shoreline, the more, the better the fishing is. So whenever I shape a pond, if a landowner versus, let's say, a point that sticks out into it, you know, everybody likes to walk out on a point because you got three sides that you can walk out there and fish with very easily. But as far as shaping it, you just basically go with your uh, topography and that's all you can do. It's however the land lays is how you're gonna, it's going to shape out. Can you do some things before you build that dam to increase those shoreline features like points? I mean, can you build those areas up and, and create some points? Yes, that brings into another subject. That, um, what we'll do is not before 
but after the dam was completed, we would go out there and, and we've already got the shape of our pond established. So you go out there and you can take, you don't want anything less than two foot of water around the shoreline because your messes will grow up so bad on you. So what we do after we've done the built the dam, we go around it and shoot the water line, shoot the shape of it. So we go right through there with an excavator where it's a two foot drop off. And then you can throw the material up and yes, you can start shaping it a little bit. So if you had this uh, point that come out into it and it's a little bit too low, you could, when you're shaping it, you just throw your dirt from making your water line up on the, the point to make it higher in elevation or wider or longer, however you might want it. So yeah, there are some ways to alter the shape of the pond dam. Generally, after the dam is completed and we go around the edge of the lake and just throw dirt or build dirt up to where it needs to be. Rob, is that when I see you know, what I would ordinarily refer to as a cut bank on a lake where there's a little bit of a shelf there that was created when the lake was built so that vegetation won't grab it and take off like, you know, we see some lakes and ponds that fill up with lily pads and things like that? That's exactly right, Clint. That's what we do is we're shaping it to where that shelf is there. Lily pads, not necessarily. That's usually not from, you know, too little or too much water. It's the grasses around the edge. You've all walked around the shoreline of a, your uncle's pond, and it's grassy out in there. You can't get your lure back through it and all. Generally, when we cut that, that's exactly what exactly what you said is right. We're um, putting a shelf there to try to deter the uh, grass from growing there. All right, we're going to take a quick break. Uh, when we come back, we're going to be continuing to talk about some of the questions you need to be answering if you're thinking about constructing a pond on your property. Hey guys, we get a lot of landowners that want to know, how much is my land really worth? We've recorded a video series to explain exactly how we determine that. Just head over to landhunting.com go to get the series. I'm confident it will help you achieve your land goals. And we're back. Today, we are talking with Rob Brandon with Minehorn Farm Incorporated. Rob, what about structure? So, you you know, you talked a lot about kind of the, that shelf and that slope being important. But what about underwater structure and, and even structure on the shoreline? What what do you like to do to really, I, I would guess that that's a more of a recreational thing. You know, you're going to build that for structure for fish to hold on but do you put any other kind of structure underwater or above when you're building a pond generally all the structure i put in will be left from construction so there's timber there and we go through and grub the stumps and pile the timber we'll put it you know in piles out there we'll burn it then we'll put a little dirt on top of it to where the you know the woody debris can't float and make structure like that and then you can go from there you know man-made structure which may be some type of cement cover or, or basically whatever you can get to make structure that won't pollute the water or float off or anything. But structure is important for fishing, for recreational fishing. Um, if you was building a pond to sane catfish, of course, you would want it clean where it wouldn't hang your net. But for net, but for recreational fishing, you know, structure is very important. The pond that I have in my house, the better the fishing is out in the middle of the pond versus on the shoreline because of the structure. So yeah, structure is very important in the pond because your little fish has got to hide from your big fish. Right. Let's talk about the dam. I mean, that's the most important thing of all, right? That's correct. So what comes first? 
and I guess it probably will depend on the, the type of pond you're constructing. So if you're digging, having to dig versus what you're talking about, maybe putting that dam in between two hills or something like that. But let's assume you're having to excavate dirt. Does the dam come first or does the excavation come first? The dam comes first. If you're, you're getting on the side of your hills and you're getting dirt from both sides and you're basically placing it, you know, across from hill to hill. So what comes first is you do your clearing. Then once you uh, get it cleared, you go there and you dig your trench, your core, where you get right in the center of the dam and you dig straight down through the mud, the muck and all that till you find something good, usually good clay. Usually that's about 10 foot deep. It can shallow to surface area, and I have had to go 20 foot deep. That all depends on the what's under it. You start there with your core, subterranean, below ground level, and you come up. When you get to ground level, then that's when you'll install your pipe. You get your pipe put on, and then you just continue it like a pyramid, working the whole width of the bottom and keep coming up and up and up till you get to the desired height you want it. We talked about those soils. Do you have to bring dirt in for a dam typically, or are you able to use uh, what's there? Typically, we use what's there. Um, There again, most of the time, people don't want to go through the expense of trucking, putting dirt on a truck and hauling there. So expensive. So most of the time, we use what is there. What kind of slope do you usually put on a dam? I mean, what's ideal for you? The front slope is a three to one slope so meaning for every one foot you come up you slope it three foot in where it's kind of like a rooftop of a house Mm -hmm. and you can go um three foot on the front slope and you can go three foot on the back slope however i generally put the back slopes on a four to one slope because yes it's a lot safer a lot easier to mow with a tractor than a uh, three to one. You can mow a three to one, but it's just a lot easier and a lot safer <laughs> yeah. on a four to one. <laughs> That's like, that just makes me think about driving a bush hog across the roof of my house. <laughs> That's exactly right. That's exactly right. And you know, so four to one, and sometimes we'll even go to a five to one slope. There's a pond that I know of that, you know, the guy actually mows the backside of his pond down with his zero turn lawnmower. Wow. So let's talk about freeboard. Explain what freeboard is and, and what's the right amount. Freeboard is from where the amount of distance from when your pond is full to the top of the dam. When you walk across your pond dam, you you know, you look down and you see the water line. Typically freeboard is two and a half feet. Now, depending on the watershed that you have coming in there, you may have to go more, you may can go less. I have went anywhere from one and a half to three and a half foot of freeboard, meaning that so your pond is has 600 acres, and I'm just using this for a number, 600 acres of runoff. Well, if you're capturing 600 acres of water coming through your five-acre pond and you get a four-inch rain, you have got a lot of water coming at your pond really fast. So you're going to want to have a adequate enough freeboard that it don't go over the top. So to answer your question, what is freeboard? That is basically how much can their pond rise from a heavy rain before it runs across the top of the dam. So there's other ways, you know, well, not other ways, excuse me. 
the way you do, you have what is called an emergency spillway. And would you like me to go into that now or wait? Yeah, no, that's great. I mean, well, before you go into the emergency spillway, explain why you don't want that water going over the top of the dam. When water comes across the top of the dam, it could erode your dam and bust it. Right. Wipe it out. So you do not want it to come across. And another thing in dam construction, you always put your center of your dam higher than the edges. Where if water does come across the top and it ate your dam out, eroded your dam, well, it's a lot easier to fix it on the side than it is in the middle. So talk about that emergency spillway now. Is that, where is that put, where do you put that? And is it at a different level? So the emergency spillway will be put on one end of the dam, whichever end is suitable um, that, you know, works the best. If your pond is full and you've got three foot of freeboard, you put your emergency spillway one foot above full water line, meaning You've got three foot of freeboard on your dam. It comes a eight inch rain. Your pond comes up another foot. Then it's going to start escaping out the emergency spillway. You still have two foot of pond dam above the water. It's going to start running the emergency spillway before it goes across the top of your dam. It seems like that emergency spillway kind of functions like uh, if you if you've seen a bathroom sink that's got you got the stopper in the bottom and then you got the hole at the top. That hole at the top, if you fill that sink up too much, it can start it can get, start going out through through that as well. It keeps it from overflowing. That, that is a very good comparison right there. Exactly. You give it the water somewhere to escape before it does damage. All right. We talked a little bit about average cost of a pond. Is there a way to estimate cost? So is it purely pretty much the dam cost of the dam construction or... It, does it have, does the uh, surface area of the pond relate to that cost? Where does the, where is the cost in the pond? And, and can you give us a way to estimate that? Is it, you know, by the linear foot of dam or how tall the dam is? How does that, how do you do that? Okay. On estimating the cost of a dam, yes, there is a way to estimate it. Most of the time, the landowner will know what this pond will cost before we start. Because the reason being is I don't want the landowner to have in mind, okay, I'm fixing to get a $10,000 pond and he gets a bill for 50000 and he's in shock and I'm stressing over if he's going to pay me or not. Right. So the most of the, the, most of the money is in the dam because that's what the major construction is. So when I come out to estimate it, we've, we've have found our site. We um, agree that this, this site will work. The landowner likes it. We shoot the elevation, how many, we figure out how many cubic yards of dirt it's going to be. So we got the estimate for the dam. Then it depends on what's there. Is there timber there? Is we going to get a logger in there? Or are we just going to pile it up and burn it? So then I estimate the amount of the um, clearing cost. So we've got the dam cost and the clearing cost. Then we got to figure out, you know, like cutting the water lines or any extras he wants. What kind of seed does he want on the dam? Is it we just going to go with typically bahia grass? Or does this, is he going to plan on cutting this with a lawnmower for aesthetics? Do we want centipede on it? And basically, we'll go through a list of questions, and I will tell him, you know, this is what you're going to get for this cost, and at the end of the, at the, end of the construction, this is what you will owe me. Well, guys, I feel like I'm a damn expert now. 
Good. I was going to say, that's the one thing we missed out on is all these chances to make a lot of damn jokes. Yeah, well, you, we'll, we'll do all that on social media during the week. And uh, it's good, though. I mean, it seems like, Rob, I mean, really, if a guy has got a property and or he's looking at a property that he's thinking about buying, he needs to reach out to you and come out and look at that property and evaluate some different pond sites. And you should be able to come up with an estimate of, of what it would take to, to build a pond and build it the right way based on what they've got there, right? I mean, that, that's, that's really it. You've got to clear your site. You've got to prep your site, however, however that, uh, whatever that entails, and build your dam. And you are going to be able to get out there and make those estimates, give them that information before you ever get started. That's great. Well, um. Yeah, just reach out to us. We'd be glad to come out and look. You can uh, Google us, Mindheart Farm Incorporated in Citronelle, Alabama, and uh, or email me at mfirobb at gmail.com. And uh, um, just give us a call. We'll be glad to come out and look. Well, Rob, thanks for joining us today on Hunt and Land. We appreciate it. We really did learn a lot. And uh, hopefully we can get you back on here pretty soon. Maybe you'll have some, some new pond construction ideas. Uh, and uh, We'll talk again in the future. Good luck with the rest of your year. Thank you so much, sir. Yes, any way I can help, I can do everything except put the deer in the back of the truck. <laughs> Thanks, All right, Rob. Have a great day. Clint, I guess, uh, you know, one of the only things we didn't hit on with pond construction is how to pay for it. When you see folks buying a property that doesn't have a pond and they're they're going to build a pond, you got to put your down payment down. And it's a lot of costs associated with that, uh, with that purchase, what kind of loan vehicles are out there for somebody that's wanting to construct upon? The ones I see used most commonly are programs like Alabama Ag Credit has, and where you can, you know, depending on what they consider the loan, the value of the project, uh, they can set you up on a long-term loan or a line of credit, where basically you take draws off of that amount as you build the lake, build the pond, and you know, once it's all finished then you've got a total there that you can amortize over the life of the loan. Or if it's done on a line of credit, you can just pay it down as you're able. And it just really depends on what suits you best. Right. Uh, the line of credit's interesting too, because I mean, anybody who's built anything, whether it's on their home or has, has run over in costs and you know, ponds can be the same way. Uh, you can estimate it's going to cost one thing and then you find out something out it costs a little more line of credit gives you that flexibility to, you know, kind of borrow as you go, I guess. Well, now, a lot of people just get excited and, you know, next thing you know, they, instead of this, the single lane pier, they've got a T-shaped pier with covers and boat lifts. And mm-hmm. Five more feet on the dam, I could have a 10 acre lake instead of a five acre pond. And, you know, things. We're all, we're all there. susceptible to project, <laughs> cr- project get, creep. Yeah. We get excited about it and it goes from there. Well, if a bank is willing to loan on the construction of a pond, that means that they obviously see the value in it. What do you see when you're selling a tract or you're out with a buyer and y'all are looking at different tracts? Let's just say if you had a 200-acre tract of land, recreational property, and you had a five-acre pond sitting on it, or you were going to, it didn't have a pond, or you had another 200-acre tract that didn't have a pond at all, does that pond just increase the value uh, from the pond itself, or, or do you see that it increases the total value of the tract? You know, as always, my answer is it depends, but typically it, it it improves the value of the whole track. 
it always comes down to cost. You know, if we've got, I, I tell you what, let's stick to value. So most people want a water feature in rural land. So if you've got, you know, like you touched on, you got, you're looking at multiple tracks. One of them's got a lake. The rest of them have good lake sites, but not an existing lake. The one with the lake is going to sell uh, definitely faster and typically for more money because there's a turnkey factor there that most people are looking for. How often do you see guys go overboard though? Cause it's kind of like a house with a pool, you know, a lot of people want a pool, but not everybody needs a waterfall and uh, a big a slide and a big slide yeah. and a grill floating out in the middle of it. So <laughs> what do you see is to, you know, do you see guys going overboard with it? Sometimes. I mean, so if you think of a track with a, you know, these do happen where somebody's got a 20, 30, 50 acre lake. That's beautiful, but it's expensive not only to build, but also to maintain. Because if you're going to keep a balanced population out there, you've got to be fishing that track, excuse me, that lake regularly, keeping populations in check so it doesn't turn upside down on you. And it's just really tough for people to afford. Well, it's uh, it's a lot to think about, a lot to consider. Folks, if y'all got any more questions about pond construction, just email us at pros at landhunting.com. We appreciate you listening this week. Uh, Subscribe, rate, and review wherever you listen to podcasts, and we'll see you guys next week.